You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. And tonight, we are... Hey Queens, how's it going? It is Josh here and you are listening to the Queendom Podcast. Uh, This is the 10th week that we are releasing an episode, Um, so hitting double digits, which is a massive milestone. And I just want to thank everybody that has been listening to the podcast, whether... You've been here since episode one, um, or if you've joined us in recent episodes, or if this is your first episode you are listening to now, thank you for hanging out with us. It really does mean a lot, and um, your support across all our socials as well. Um, you can find all our socials uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, we now have a Facebook page, so you can find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter at the Queendom Cast. And if you want to follow uh, the OG page, Oz Queendom, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, at the Queendom online and on Instagram at OzQueendom. Obviously, we have a website too, guys. You can check out thequeendomonline.com for all your news, updates, casting, and that type of thing. But this week, I am joined by a producer of Six the Musical to chat about how the the show gets made, how it goes from Fringe to West End, Broadway, and beyond. So Andy Barnes joins us this week, and guys, it is time to get down. So as usual, here we go. I'm the queen of the castle. Get down, you dirty rascal. Get down. Hey, queens, and welcome back to the Queendom Podcast. I am joined this week by one of the producers of Six the Musical, uh, Andy Barnes. Hey, Andy, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? I Thank am... you for having me. No worries. Thank you for joining us. Um, and. This is such a big thing because producers are kind of the unsung heroes of shows in general because you guys, without you guys, the show doesn't go on. Um, so can you just quickly explain like what you do as a producer? Like what, what is the producer's role in the show? Oh, wow. Um, where to start? I mean, I think it, it's, it's a host of things. I guess it's... Um... It's different things for different shows, but but certainly for something like Six, it's um, it's been about growing um, a really exciting uh, small scale piece of fringe theatre um, into something that um, you know can be enjoyed further afield and and all around the world. Um, that's kind of the the aim and ambition of it. And then on the day to day level, I guess it's our job to um, kind of steer the ship. And, and put the right people in place to do um, their jobs brilliantly. Um, and, you know, choosing the right people is, is kind of key. And I think then helping them or equipping them with the tools they need to do their jobs um, brilliantly. And then finding the money to do all that, I guess, is, is also part of it. Um, so, yeah, there's quite, it's quite a wide-ranging set of skills required, I think, to produce these days. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so speaking of Fringe... How did you uh, guys find Six? What what was your initial introduction to the show? Um, well, we won, uh, Wendy and I, um, who's both my life partner and, and partner in business, um, we, uh, uh, we won a company called Perfect Pitch, which um, develops new British musicals or, or musicals by British writers. Um, they tend to be emerging writers rather than established. And... So we're always looking, um, or generally always looking, we're, we're quite full at the moment, but 
um, we're generally looking for, for stuff all the time. Um, and uh, we had a, a period where we were being very proactive and, and we still are quite proactive to kind of find, um, you know, the, the most exciting work out there. So we, I was at the Fringe um, uh, doing another show, doing a different show. Um, and, you know, you, it's a big networking hub, isn't it? And, and Six, uh, the student version that, that Toby and Lucy had established with Cambridge University, uh, musical theatre society um came onto my radar from two different people actually where they kind of said this is right up your street it's the sort of show you might like um but a lot of people say that to us a lot of times and it doesn't always <laughs> turn out to be the case um but on this occasion we kind of liked the idea it sounded really fun and um we kind of because we have children as well we sort of tag team quite often so on this occasion, Wendy went down first um, to have a look and see if, uh, you know, she thought it might be something we would like. And she came back saying, you have to see the show. Because <laughs> we only we only ever produce shows that we both love. So we're yeah. kind of, you know, she was totally bought in. Um, and then I, I, you know, I still have my hesitations these days going into seeing <laughs> brand new stuff. But um, particularly at the Fringe, because it's a little bit hit and miss. Um, but we... We went and, um, or I went, and you know, by the end of X Lives, I was brought in, and, um, and so I then spent the rest of the fringe stalking Toby, which was kind of the uh, the, the way to to try and get hold of the rights. So, what is the process of getting the rights to a show? Like, how does that all work? Um, well, ultimately, you know, the authors. Uh, own in inverted commas the show um, or, or the copyright to the to what they've written you know it's their work and no one can put it on uh, unless they say you know you can um, so you then sort of set about sitting down with um, uh, with them to to have conversations about what you think the show could do or what it might look like or how to get it from A to B and do they agree with you and um, and you kind of go from there. This one was slightly different because um, Lucy, uh, who um, is uh, is now also directing it, um, had directed that version as well, but was also a co-writer or co-directed that version, I should say, um, with Jamie. And um, she'd gone away for a month. So there was this kind of gap um, where we couldn't get in a room together to have the conversation. Um, and eventually when she did come back we had a lovely conversation the first meeting with them and um and then about two weeks later they were doing another um presentation of it in cambridge for the university in their local theater so we kind of said look you know come down and have another chat have another look at it and so on and then um they also invited uh, george styles who you probably know and have heard of um as a composer uh who um I believe went to school with Toby's dad uh, many years ago. And so he's been kind of gently sort of looking out for Toby over the, the, the previous four or five years. And on this occasion, had kind of um, been invited down. And, you know, uh, he probably gets invited to a lot of stuff. I don't think he quite realised Toby's talent at that stage and um, had been, you know, but, but, but quite kindly sort of said, yeah, I'll come down and give you some feedback. Uh, he came down to the Cambridge version and absolutely got blown away. Um, and got got straight on the phone to um, Kenny Wax, who he'd worked with um, previously on another couple of shows and was working on another show with him at the time and said, you should go and see this show as well. 
So um, Kenny got in his car from Bristol, I think, on, on a sort of Saturday afternoon, um, drove literally, picked up his daughter on the way and, and went and saw the show and he loved it. Uh, and then he immediately put his hat in the ring to produce it. Um, at which point we, we like to tell everyone there was a, you know, a big fight over the rights and then we agreed to do it. But actually we just, we just sat down together <laughs> in a very calm and grown up way and kind of said, you know, well, look, this is what I'd do with it. And he kind of said, um, he said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And, and you know, he, I, we all know what Kenny can do with the show because he's yeah. the king of mischief theatre. Um, so we, you know, he, he, I think together we had a, a good um, set of skills that, that sort of crossed over into well, developing and evolving new musicals, which is very much what we've done over the years, um, alongside, you know, the very commercial aspect of, you know, taking a, a, a small show to the bigger stage. Um, so what's the process yeah what's the experience been like for you seeing this show go from the Edinburgh Fringe to off West End out to Australia and then now to Broadway Um, uh, crazy I mean you know I just it happens to shows. Um, it very rarely happens to new British musicals that are completely original. Yeah. Um, it does happen, and it's wonderful when it does. But I think rarely does it happen at this speed. Um, and I think the the thing that's sort of overwhelmed all of us, really, um, is just how quickly the Queendom have taken it to their heart and, and embraced what it is as a sort of you know exciting new wave of of musical and i think um and i think that's what's wonderful about it you know just the demographic of um audience member that, that is very wide ranging you know i yeah. have to say it's not all young people but there is also a lot of young people and that's brilliant because i think you know musicals have always had a bit of a reputation as not always being cool um but you know there's some brilliantly cool musicals out there now and four of which six is another and i think i think that's you know one of our ambitions wendy and i have always been to try and kind of find the contemporary world of musicals and make them cool for for people to be able to say yeah yeah i went and saw a musical without kind of going yeah yeah i went and saw a musical you know what i mean and i think there's kind of um you know be proud to say it and i think that's what what's wonderful about six is you know i'm very proud to say that to anybody coming to this musical and I think that's you know and it's got some amazing three themes and some amazing things to say that Toby and Lucy and their generation absolutely want to shout about and write so 100% and, and and that's such a cool thing I think is that that musical does reach out to absolutely everybody there is something for everybody in it and it makes it such a relatable piece of work um, across the board, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, I think that's what, I, well, I'd like to think that's why, you know, people come back time and again. I think, you know, there's some great songs and, and you know, you can put yourself in the shoes of, of many of those wives, even as a guy, and kind of go, God, yeah, that was harsh. That was, yeah. the, the, those were bad times. And what have we learned? And are we any different now? And let's be better. Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, I, I've learned a lot from from the message of the show on a personal level, and I think a lot of other people have, you know, and they take something away from it, and and that's what you want out of a good a good musical, take something away with you to think about. Exactly, that 100%. And like what you said about 
have we done anything to change? Um, you still look at some of the things that are presented that were issues like 600 years ago and they're still issues today. And it's like, how have we not kind of moved forward from here? Come on, guys. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think you know, that's, as I say, Toby um, and Lucy and, and many of their generation, you know, Jamie as well, you know, they're, 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 they have strong opinions and they're living in a world that is different to how it was 20 years ago and 30 years ago and 40 years ago. And I think, I think it's really good that they're, they're you know, taking to the, the streets in, in the form of musical and, and saying what they, what they want to say. And, you know, that said, this isn't, it's not a show that's designed just to be making a point, but it's, it, it, it does and it, and it lands. And I think, you know, you, you enjoy it at the time. And I've always been an advocate of, you know, learning through enjoyment. And, you know, it's kind of a really cool history lesson with a contemporary twist. You know? Yeah, 100%. So taking the musical kind of nationwide and then worldwide, what is the process that goes into making decisions on, like, stops on things like tours and that type of thing? Like, how do you decide okay, we're going to take this show to this city, this city, this city, and we're going to go to this country? <laughs> yeah, good question. Um, I, think, I think some of it's organic and some of it is, is strategic. So when we first set about, you know, setting the show up, uh, we did, we did uh, six sort of showcase performances in London. Um, and and off the back of that, you know, we could tell there was a bit of a buzz about it. So we kind of, I, I, I've done lots of stuff at the Edinburgh Fringe. So I always felt it would be a really great idea to take it back there, kind of bigger and better. Um, Kenny's obviously done a lot of regional stuff, uh, regional touring and and London sit-downs. And, you know, we between us, we kind of felt the best strategy was to do a sort of mini tour um, that included Edinburgh that, that ended up with this kind of, sitting down at the arts theatre for a little while and see how it went from there um and then off the back of that we had that sort of planned in to kind of come back to london sort of post edinburgh and then there were other venues going can we have it can we have it and can you bring it here for christmas and you know so then it sort of organically became <coughs> excuse me a slightly more robust tour yeah um and then by the time we left edinburgh and came into the arts you know the arts the first time was almost sold out and as a result of that, it made it sort of slightly easier to make the decision to come back at the end of the tour at Christmas, straight back into the same theatre, which was, you know, fortunately free. Um, and, you know, until very recently, we, we've been there ever since and hopefully we'll be going back there fairly soon. Um, and that's that's the sort of UK London version. That's how that happened. And off the back of that, we always felt um, the tour, because it's such a small theatre in London, we thought we should you know get it out on tour and, and play some bigger places um sooner rather than later often you know that's three or four years in london before it will go out on tour although i think that dynamic's changing slightly now um but we yeah we thought it'd be great to get out on tour and kenny and his team at kwl are um you know the masters of booking a, a great tour and i think they've um you know certainly to the point where we where we closed just just after Wolverhampton, you know, the, the the show had been fabulously sold out across across all the venues and with a great season at the Lowry again over Christmas. So, um, so we the, the venues for it are, are often based on 
um, you know, demographic of audience, size of theatre, size of stage. You know, some of that is, is both practical as well as um, strategic. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, worldwide rollout is is dependent on a lot of things. Um, you know, we a lot of people saw the show at the arts first time round, and we had, you know, a lot of very kind offers to to present the show all over the place. Um, many of which are still, um, you know, pending. I suppose you'd say whilst we get our sort of house in order and and see how everything goes with Broadway and Australia and so on. Um, and you know, pre pre COVID nineteen, I think everyone was um, you know very pleased with with how how the rollout had gone. I think you know we we done a pretty good job to that point of making sure you know we went to the place where the demand was, but we also you know took a punt on on building the show so we, we deliberately with the help of our partner in australia louise um and her team um you know wanted to grow it there as well and show yeah. people that it can what it can be before assuming you've got you know a big show on your hands and you know every territory is different so um but you know i think what we what we all learned from the olivier performance last year was that it can work in a big space as well and that was exciting for us it was kind of a a moment where we thought actually this can play big big places if it needs to and that's that, all that was encouraging till then it only been small yeah well that that's always been my thought process is how does this <clears throat> translate to a, a bigger space um and then obviously the olivier kind of settled that but i still kind of want to be in that bigger kind of theatre to see how it goes from because even in Sydney it was in a small theatre similar to the arts yeah um so like I I want to be a part of that audience where it's in that bigger space with more people to see how it translates so mm-hmm. um yeah that's definitely something on my list as well so after taking yeah a- and it does work it, it's a different vibe you know it's I say it's a different vibe you get you still get a very enjoyable show but there's just the sheer volume of you know enjoyment resonating around a, a 1400 seat theater is yeah. is incredible and and the girls you know it's a it's a gig it's a pop concert in that style so you know they're, they're playing it to the the very back and i had some friends who went to see it in glasgow which is you know a big old theater and they got last minute tickets and sat in the back row and they said it was brilliant they loved every minute of it sitting <laughs> right at the very back um so i think you know there's yeah it's definitely working in there so, yeah. So the whole transition to Broadway, uh, that is an experience in itself. Um, you guys kind of kicked everything off with the Chicago, uh, Canada kind of area. How did you see the American reaction to a mainly it is a British kind of historical musical? How was that for you guys? nerve-wracking at first um yeah i mean look you know but producing is 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 a gamble you know you're you're backing horses that you don't know how well they're going to run and um you know we were excited by the chicago opening because we knew that that by that point we knew you know the brits had loved it and you know generally the, the, the we got a lot of american feedback from edinburgh which gave us a sense of, you know, it translated as a narrative and people, um, whilst they might not get every reference or every historical reference, they knew enough to be able to get um, a flavour of what it's all about. Um, so we kind of were very, um, 
uh, hesitant in a in a positive way. We we thought it could work, and we were happy to take the punt. But after the first couple of weeks of Chicago and seeing you know the ticket sales kind of take off um, and eventually sell out, we were we were just really pleased. I think relieved as much as anything, or certainly on a personal level. Okay. I shouldn't really talk for Kenny and George and, and Kevin in that scenario, but we you know we I was definitely relieved that it had translated as well as it did, and that that you know American audiences um took enough away from it to love it and i think that's built actually i think it's sort of it's exceeded all of our expectations as to how that's done but i have to say we didn't know you know we weren't headed for broadway um at that point you know rick boynton who's um artistic director um at chicago shakes you know i knew him from from years previously again at the edinburgh festival where i'd done a show that went up an hour before his show and you know, we just sort of struck up a relationship. George had done um, some stuff with the National Alliance of Musical Theatre in America with with Rick as well. So we, there was this kind of random synergy that um, that meant you know we could kind of uh, all trust in Rick and believe in him. And Kevin actually, um, who's our American partner, Kevin McCullum, had you know had done many shows with, with Chicago Shakes and and knows them all very well so you know it was just a natural fit to try it out there we felt in very safe hands they did an amazing producing job of it and and then you know the rest sort of built from there that that was always we were going to do stuff with the citadel and then um uh, in in canada which it eventually went to but but then randomly you know i think boston might have a dropout or something and we got an email saying is there any chance you can come in between boston and, and canada and we kind of did and you know, it just sort of helped us build the momentum. It helped us um, kind of uh, understand audiences a little bit more, understand patterns of, you know, what, you know, how it builds and, and so on. And, and also try it out in different markets, different areas and so on. So, yeah, and then and then Broadway, I think, kind of, you know, Kevin's very, very experienced in Broadway. He was a producer on, you know, Rent, um, Avenue Q in the Heights. You know, he's yeah. got a history of, building brand new musicals in, in that territory and in, in that environment. So, and, you know, we were happy to partner with him on, on it because it felt like a good fit for him and us. Um, yeah, which was kind of fun. Beautiful. Um, so in that transition to Broadway, um, before kind of previews started, there was the whole Broadway con event, um, which I was lucky enough to meet most of you guys at. Um, yeah. What was that experience like for, you because you were there you did the you did the panel <laughs> what was that like talking about this show with seven people on this stage just with <laughs> people I, I, well <laughs> i got i've i've kind of got slightly sideswiped because when i got asked in i don't know in november or something you know would i would i come over and do the panel with wendy um I was like, yeah, you know, no problem. And, and we do a lot of panels over here for various new writing initiatives and various conferences and so on. And there's usually, you know, 25, maybe 50 if it's a good one and 100 if it's amazing. You know, I came, I walked into, into that room <laughs> totally unprepared for what was in front of me. And, you know, I don't know, six or 700 absolute fans and industry and, you know, <coughs> other participants just desperate to hear about the show and yeah so I kind of it took me slightly off guard um <laughs> in a brilliant way and, and I loved it I loved every minute of it but 
but I had a moment where where we sort of walked onto the stage and I was like, okay, this is not what I thought was happening. I remember watching you guys Um, walk out and kind of look around and be like, oh, okay, this is a little bit bigger than what we were expecting. Oh my God. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was, it was packed as well in in a, in a great, you know, great space as well. So that was really, really cool. What, uh, how did the the sing-alongs come to be? Because I, I was a part of the one in New York, and I've heard great things about the one ones in London. So, how, how what was the decision behind making the sing-alongs kind of a thing? Um. Oh gosh, uh, I think it evolved actually. What 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 happened? I don't. We, we kind of made the decision early on um, to to film. The, the what's now termed as the mega fit um <coughs> excuse me which um which uh, sort of took off as a thing we we did it in edinburgh because i kind of it was a great way to celebrate the show and you know it's now sort of become a, a cool marketing tool which you know we're, we're trying to persuade america it's a good idea too but, but we'll see how far we get with that but um, that's a whole other can of worms that I should probably not go down. Um, <laughs> but we we recorded that, and the, and and what happened was um, we noticed that that you know everyone is singing along in the mega six. You start when you start seeing people filming, you know, they're filming each other and they're filming us, and everybody is singing along. And and I you know I I'd love to take credit for the idea, but I honestly can't remember whose whose idea it was. But it just felt like this is this is a um, a moment where, where why not? You know, who says you can't? And I think yeah. I've always been a bit of a believer in, in until they tell me I can't, I'm going to give it a go. And I think, and I think we're all a little bit like that in, yeah. in general sense. As long as we're not breaking any union rules, um, <laughs> which uh, again we probably shouldn't go there. But I think the, um, the, the the general sort of desire is always to be. Um, you know, just pushing the boundaries of what's possible, and uh, you know, we're probably never, not the first people who've ever had a sing along, but it was, it just felt like the perfect show for it. And you know, I have to say, when we first did it in London, the girls were absolutely petrified. The queens were kind of going, "How is this going to go? You know, is anyone going to sing along with us? Are we going to look really silly?" Um, but you know, by the time we we got into no way, you know, they they were well up for it, and. Um, and you know, you realise there's some really good singers in the general public. <laughs> Amazing. So that pretty much brings us to the end of our chat, Andy. Um, to to finish things off, what has your overall favourite experience been um, being involved with Six, and what's your favourite thing about the show? Oh gosh. Um, do you know what I think? I think what's been great uh, is that we've we've stayed true to what the show is. Um, you know, there's a lot of people suggesting we should have a second act or suggesting we should bring Henry in or, um, but I think instinctively we always believed it was, it is what it is. And, you know, we've made tweaks along the way and we've, it's grown in certain areas to enhance the storytelling, but the, the general fabric of the show is, is what it is. So I've loved that we've, we committed to that, stayed true to that and, um, and, you know, have made it work in that way. Um, I've loved seeing the the absolute joy on the the generally very young creative team that we have. Um, you know, particularly Toby and Lucy as their first musical, watching them discover all these crazy things happening to them. Um, you know, which has been a 
joy as well. And I think, you know, they're two really grounded, um, cool guys who who know what they want and um, uh, and get it, you know, in in a, in a super positive and loving way. Um, and what was the other part of the question? Um, my, your favorite. What's my favorite bit of the show? Yeah. I, I can I can literally tell you in the Mega Six there's a bit where where it transitions post Seymour into um into Cleves in the Mega Six and I just love that bit where she kind of goes oh 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 oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh that bit I love I love that, that. March I across, that. yeah I remember it in Edinburgh so vividly standing at the back watching the audiences and you know that bit I you know I'd always sing along every every show was a sing along for me in Edinburgh but that was um that was yeah i love that bit but there's loads i love about it you know i think there's some brilliant wit and um and laugh out loud moments which i think everyone can relate to and enjoy um but yeah that's that's probably the moment that every time my little the hairs on the back of my head kind of on the back of my neck go and uh, makes me feel very upbeat about life yeah beautiful i love that that is such an amazing note to end on uh queens thank you for joining us this week on the queendom podcast it has been an absolute pleasure to chat to you andy uh as always queens if you want to follow us on any social media you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter at the queendom cast and you can also find us at oz queendom but other than that queens that is wrap up for the 10th week of the queendom podcast thank you for sticking through with us for 10 episodes and we will see you guys next week see you bye thanks Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theatre community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theatre professionals, search the RISE Theatre Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheatre.org. That's theatre with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.